friend? Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Coming from the point, moving up. His pass, his pass hit a skate, and Nurse is able to recover and keep it alive for Edmonton. McDavid, Dreisaitl shoots, scores! Dreisaitl scores! But the torch is being passed on from one drink to the next. The century mark in just 53 games for Connor McDavid! For Friday, October eighth, twenty twenty one. This is this has got to be three seasons we fit into the twenty twenty one calendar, probably at this point, right? That's what two Lightning Cups and time is a construct. I don't know. Uh, it's the Lace Up Hockey Podcast. I'm uh, I'm still James Cole. Uh, Brutes Battaglia of the High Button Sports. High Button Sports. The High Button. Whatever. We got a we got a guest with us this 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 week, um, making his second appearance, and happy to have him back. Uh, we got a guy Alex Hobson uh, making uh, appearance number two for us on our season predictions episode. Alex, welcome back. Happy to have you. Thanks, boys. It's an absolute pleasure to be back, and I'm I'm, I'm grateful that you guys keep inviting me back because it helps remind me that your name's actually Tyler and not Brutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a peek behind closed doors. Exactly. Yeah. Like literally the second I joined the Zoom call, I was like, shit, that's right. His actual name's Tyler. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've just I, recently I'm, uh I've just recently put an actual picture of myself as my uh, uh Twitter profile for the first time in like maybe four years. And uh I couldn't not though, because my outfit's just so ridiculous. So it's like, ah, whatever, we're gonna we'll give up the charade for a little bit here, you know. I'm I'm pretty curious to see like we're we're this is now four seasons deep. Yeah. Like I want I I got to listen back and see like if if Brutes is still going in and muting out his name every time someone nah. says it because he's just trying to no oh this, no the that, that, is that over. was no that was a season two bit and it was mm. it was a good bit because season two was super long because of COVID so it uh, it was good but it's it's over now. Fair enough. Yeah, the, the the mystery has ended. Everyone knows who you are now, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, considering some... most most of our listeners knew who I was anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, you just you just wait for that hate mail that's going to come. Um, well, let's, yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, um, happens. Like I said, season four. I got it wrong last week on the first episode of the season. I was I was telling everybody it was season three. Again, time is a construct. I don't know what year it is. I don't know how old I am. I don't know what's going on. I know the Leafs still suck. Um, the first line know... of the season before either of us had introduced ourselves and you had already made a mistake. It's brilliant. I am the uh, ultimate professional uh, by all accounts. Consummate, you might say. Yeah. Um, we are going to do, like I mentioned, our season predictions. This is a lot of fun every year. We get to be uh, 100% right, but somehow 100% wrong every time. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the first time we've had a guest on for the season predictions, if if I'm correct. Probably. 
Yeah. So this will be stakes fun. are high. Yeah. Stakes are high. Well, it's just yeah. to divert attention from our our horrible opinions. I like. I should say. Yeah. Last year, because uh, because we went back, James and I have started going back and like looking at our predictions, and I did very well in the standings. I don't know how well James did, but my God, were my award predictions terrible, mm. <laughs> terrible. Like I I I said definitively, Artemi Panarin is winning the Art Ross. McDavid's not gonna like be healthy or something like that. <laughs> like I don't I don't remember what I said. Like Vesna. I might have taken Carter Hart, or that might have been James, but whoever I took wasn't very good either. Uh, just yeah, the the award predictions were horrible, but I'm gonna nail it this year. It's gonna be different this year. Yeah. I like I like how you say you bring me on to divert from your horrible opinions, but as you're doing that, you're bringing in a third <laughs> equally horrible opinion. Just right. I, I know this is a, I know this this is a little <laughs> bit of a different a uh, little bit of a different horse here, but uh, my playoff predictions my like my round by round predictions i'm pr- i don't think i got a single first round prediction right last year so i <laughs> that's great you mean Listen you didn't to- take the habs <laughs> wow Shocker. you know what I, I i i might do that this year if it happens again i think i'm oh. I'm, I'm better off just betting against the leafs please don't happen again so, yeah no please no. Well, speaking of the Habs, uh, we may as well get into oh. it because, like, like I said, season predictions, that's going to take up a good chunk of our time. But we do have a few things to get to beforehand. So uh, some sad news out of Montreal. Carey Price uh, announced, uh, actually, I believe it was today. Well, yesterday. What, what, again, time. Um, he has entered the player assistance program and he'll be taking a indefinite leave of absence from the team. Um, I mean, we'll talk about Carey Price, the the human being in a moment, but this has got to be the ultimate kick in the ribs for the, the Montreal Canadians from a, from a hockey standpoint at the, at the very least. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, like the, I guess the thing to say would be that, um, you know, we, we spent the whole off season talking about how healthy Carey price is or isn't anyway. And that, that might be, you know, part of the issue that, uh, that, you know, Seattle kind of stayed away from them and, and that, and that's fine. But, uh, I don't know if the two things are related is more so what's going on because like, if we've learned anything about Montreal and this is, it's nothing to do with Carey Price, but, um, not always what they say is, is what seems to be when it comes to injuries and, and, you know, they don't have to disclose everything, but, uh, yeah, like the, there was the whole thing about Carey Price not being healthy, didn't pass physical, all that kind of stuff. And if the two things are related, then, than we know now, but uh, if we're talking strictly just for the hockey side of it, uh, this doesn't really change anything for me. I assumed they would be without Carey Price to start the year to begin with, so uh, it's not news to me in that sense, I guess. Yeah, and, and Alex, I noticed uh, today on 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 Twitter when the news came out, you were you were very vocal about making sure that we were talking about. Carey Price, the, the human, you know, the guy, not not necessarily the athlete. And uh, I don't know if you, if you wanted to speak to that at all. No, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, every time I hear about something like this happening, I mean, same thing happened last year with Jonathan Drouin when he took a leave of absence from the team. And I don't want to make any assumptions about what Carey Price is going through right now, but if it is something to do with his mental health or if he's battling something on the side that's that that's getting in the way of his, uh, uh, his mindset for hockey, I think uh, there's always a bit of a stigma around professional athletes and a lot of people just tend to kind of brush brush them off and say well you're making money so you should be happy regardless and you know i think a lot of times you forget that these athletes are human beings as well and carrie price i mean 
I, I was saying earlier that he's just, he's one of those guys that regardless of who you cheer for, you can't uh, root against him. He's just, he's an incredible ambassador for the game. He's done a lot of great work in his hometown and uh, for the indigenous communities as well with uh, obviously that's been a bit of a somber topic for the past couple of months. And uh, yeah, I mean, in, in, Priority number one is I hope uh, if he if he is battling something on the side, I hope he gets it figured out uh, at a proper pace. And I hope that he uh, comes out on top because ultimately his mental state and is his health. And like you said, you know, Carey Price, the human being matters more than Carey Price, the hockey goalie. So, uh, yeah, best wishes to him. And if he, if he does come out of this uh, victorious, I think I know we'll all be rooting for him. So, yeah. Yeah, and I mean it's it's to, to that end too is just like everything that he has to contribute off the ice and uh, everything he does for his community and the community in Montreal and so on. Uh, like it, it's it's not easy to put in that sort of effort uh, of giving back all the time, right? And it's one of those things where again, not to speculate exactly what's going on with him, but um, it, it's not an easy thing mentally to always be focusing on other people. You kind of forget to look after yourself in certain. Uh, respects so it, it could be something like that that's going on where he's just kind of um you know he's he, he might just be s- simply burnt out right like it's uh it could be anything but it's one of those things where we i guess we just kind of need to remember to look after these people who uh tend to put other people uh first sometimes it it uh it takes a toll right and uh uh, like you said all the best to carry price it's it's hard it you can't root against a guy you know i, I would never root against a no. guy uh, I could root against the athlete all I want, but uh, not right now. That's for sure. So, yeah, I think that was well said. You know, like um, we can come on here like any other sports platform and talk about how this is going to impact the Montreal mm-hmm. Canadiens, how th- how this is going to impact Team Canada. Uh, but yeah. uh, I'm I'm really really glad, and and you know I, I I'm glad to see most of the other outlets uh, across the the sport are taking the time to acknowledge you know, what this means for the guy himself and, and, and less so about the, the teams he plays for. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten better too, right? Like, you know, if you think about last year with Jonathan Taves and if, if that had happened, you know, not even just Taves, but a t- like a 34 year old, uh, multiple Stanley cup champion, all of a sudden walks away from his team for a year, 10 years ago, if that happened, you know, everyone would be like, well, like he, he must, he must have a booze addiction or blah, blah, blah. And start assuming the worst kind of thing. And, uh, not giving him any credit and not looking at him as a human being, just looking at him as a weakness in a sense. Uh, whereas I think last year, a lot of people were the news, the news came about, about, about Taves and everyone was just kind of like, well, I hope he's well and, and we'll see him on the other side kind of thing. Right. And, and that's exactly where we're at is, is now Taves was given the opportunity to kind of look after himself without the type of backlash that I think we might've seen even as recently as maybe five years ago. Right. Absolutely. Um, sticking with, uh, you know, the, I guess the, the goaltending theme is, is, is what we're, we're on right now. Uh, Robin Leonard took to Twitter uh, a couple days ago, uh, and made some pretty, uh, pretty interesting <laughs> declarations, uh, accusations, whatever you want to call them really, um, rocks. A- against, uh, anonymous members of the, uh, NHL community, uh, without naming names, he named some names and uh, really, really dove into the battle of, uh, um, you know, unprescribed drug use that seems to be, you know, part of the problem in, in, in today's NHL. And at least, you know, definitely a problem 15 years ago. I, you, you like to think that it's uh, coming to uh, somewhat to a head and, and that players have more information today and, and uh, that they're not just doing 
whatever the trainer says or the head coach says, but Robin Leonard seems to think that it's, it's still a, a pretty, pretty big part of the problem in, in today's game. And, and uh, he was pretty vocal on Twitter, um, which I thought was great because it's, it's rare for you to see uh, hockey players talk about what goes into their body. That's a, uh, it's a, it's a first, you don't see that very often, especially in the, the COVID days. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I missed, uh, I missed a decent amount of the actual nitty gritty of the, of the Leonard situation just because uh, I had a busy weekend coaching hockey and all that stuff. So uh, I don't know exactly what happened, but I mean like, uh, or sorry, like the, the details of who he named and, and exactly what he was alleging. But um, like, like regardless here, I, I think a lot of the response that I did see was just uh, like people, people have automatically kind of, again, written off Robin Leonard um you know, because of certain comments, maybe they haven't agreed with in the past as, as maybe not having anything to contribute. Whereas I think we kind of need a little bit more Robin Leonard. Cause like Robin Leonard reminds me of like a, an NFL star in a way, like a lot of them are just like, they're just going to say it how it is. And, and that's like, that's the culture in the NFL and uh, more so than any other league. And I think Robin Leonard's like, he's like a football player in that sense. He's willing to actually just, you know, scorch earth here and, and see what happens. And he would rather that be his legacy than anything else. And uh, I have to respect it for sure where it's going to go. I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's the interesting thing, whether or not the NHL wants to uh, listen to him and, and actually have a dedicated sit down is, is a different thing. Um, yeah, Alex, I'm not sure if you caught any of the Robin Lehner saga over the last couple of days, uh, if you have any, uh, any, any insight on that. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest and the most telling sign in this whole Robin Lehner thing is the fact that once he started tweeting about it, he started getting support from other former NHL players, obviously. Uh, yeah. Dan Carcillo, who's been very vocal on the topic as well, talking about his, his best friend, Steve Monitor, who passed away in 2015, I believe it was, to something similar. Uh, he's been speaking up on it. Uh, Tom Sestito has been speaking up on uh, his own experiences. And uh, I believe even Jack Eichel liked the tweet of Robin Lehner's uh, calling out uh, trainers. And, you know, it just, this whole situation, when the way it's unfolding, I can't help but think of Tyler Skaggs in MLB and how yeah. uh, the way that he died. I mean, his, I, I, I don't want to speak on this because I'm not entirely sure the details, but I know whether he knew what he was taking or not, um, his uh, his trainer was prescribing him oxycontin, and a, a life a life was cost because of it, and that's the most unfortunate part. And you know, it just goes to show and shine even more of an ugly light on the fact that NHL owners and franchises ultimately care about one thing and one thing only, and that's money. Yeah. And putting out the best stars out there, regardless of their health. You know, if you're good enough to play, we will pump you up with as many drugs as we can. And we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we can, you know, whether it's for your well-being or not to get you out there on the ice because you're the guy that sells tickets, right? Yeah. And it, it, it's unfortunate. And obviously, we want that to change in hockey because, like I said, lives are being cost. I mean, how many Tyler Skaggs or how many Wade Belaks or Derek Bugards or Rick Rippins or you can go down the list of guys who have suffered a, an early death because of things like this. Right. And it's, all, it's not always that severe, but – the reality is the culture around it has to change. And the whole, the whole idea that guys need to go out there and play their hearts out every day, regardless of where their body's at or what they're taking to feel, to feel at that level. Um, it, it's got to stop. And it's easy, obviously to go on a podcast and say those words, but it, uh, it is really just sad to see the way that it's unfolding. And I really, really hope 
that Laner is able to make some uh, gain some ground on this discussion because it's uh, you know Gary Bettman he calls the NHL an open book, but I don't think it's really much yeah. of an open book. I, I don't really trust that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean like it's uh, like like that's the thing, right? Is is you want him to shed light on how bad this problem is because again, it's one of those things where you know it, it, it like in a way it goes back to the whole discussion of of trying to change the culture of, of eradicating, you know, bigotry and racism from the game is, you know, like, you don't know how bad of a problem it is unless you're around it. And I haven't, I was never around that. So I, I don't know how bad it is everywhere. And this is the same thing where it's just like, if, as soon as you start shedding light on it, we'll know exactly what it is we're dealing with. And so hopefully he can do that, but it's just like, it's gross. Like it's a, it's a complete breach of trust, right? Like it's, it's these guys who have no idea exactly the implications of what they're taking they just want some sort of pain relief right and uh there's someone who went to school for many many years who's in a position to um you know in a way even just force them to take something but like it's it's very easy to just be like look take this pill you're gonna feel better oh like yeah you know best case scenario maybe the other guy's just like i heard it's addictive and i'm like no it's not that bad and here's like here are the facts that aren't really facts and boom take a pill take another pill take several pills all of a sudden you know a month later and this this is a completely broken human being with an addiction problem or something you know what i mean like it's just such a slippery slope and until yeah uh until we shed light on it you know we'll never know how many guys this is really affected and, and you'd like to think that it's not a lot, but uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a conversation that seems to need having, right. And it's just yeah. another skeleton in the closet of the sport, I guess. Now, now I had uh, kind of two different issues with, with the, with the Leonard stuff. And I want to, I want to preface that by saying I applaud him for what he's doing. It, it takes, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, bravery to, you know, come forth and, and speak out against uh, not only like your employer, but, you know, uh, a multi-billion dollar corporation like the NHL is, right? And um, I do applaud him for that. And I think we need more of that in the game. Um, but my hesitancy, maybe I'll push back just a little bit on a, on a couple things that came out, was he, he called out Alan Vigneault specifically. Um, while in other, other parts of his, uh, his tweets, he would, you know, kind of subjectively suggest that, you know, something's going on, uh, in this market. Whereas with, with this one, he really came forward and he used Vigno's name very publicly. And I was, I was a little, a little took, taken aback by that because a, he never played for Alan Vigno and B Alan Vigno, uh, knows probably just as much about any of these medications as the players themselves. Uh, he's not the guy that went to school to learn how these things work. Uh, at the end of the day, yeah, he, he is the boss, but that's why you have people in positions below you to make those informed decisions. And I'm not trying to suggest that Alan Vigneault didn't know what was going on, but the only people that know that are Alan Vigneault and the trainer that he's talking to. So I, I did think that that was a little weird to specifically, if you're going to name one name of all the names that you could name, that you name a guy that you have never worked for. So, But, to but it, it comes with a whole issue of, you know, if you're, if you're friends with a guy who used to play with Elaine and, and knows kind of how the situation is like, like, I, I you know, I'm not going to go into detail, but like Lane Vigneault is one of those guys, like kind of just murkily discussed as like perhaps a bad guy. And, um, 
you know, like if, if he knows things and doesn't want to get into specifics because he doesn't want to throw maybe even like a currently active player of Elaine Vino under the bus, uh, you know, he, he, he kind of has to, to tiptoe around that. Right. So I, I don't know how much he can say specifically without throwing someone else under the bus. So I like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, if he knows that there's an issue going on, if Elaine Vino is openly or anyone else is openly telling their trainers to just ignore certain medical protocol because he doesn't care. Like he's also their boss, right? So it goes from the top down in a way. That's fair. Yeah. No, I I, I see both sides of the coin. It just, for me, it was odd. I didn't um, see exactly what he said about Elaine Vigneault. Like I actually can't speak to that. Like I did see it, but I didn't, I didn't do my research on that at the time because I didn't have time, but yeah, fair um, enough. You know, you're a busy guy. Like, uh, side note too, what was, what the hell was that thing Elaine Vino said about uh, uh, COVID not being real or something? Did you guys read that quote? Like, what did I read that out of context or something? What the hell was that? <laughs> what I, this is my first time hearing about this. Yeah, like I don't know if I'll be able to find it because it was like a beat writer that I'm not all that familiar with. But he he made a comment like last week about how. Uh, just some some guys are are doing their own research and who knows if this thing is real or whatever and it was like some guys think it is some guys think it isn't and it just like it's it read weird oh, I, but I, I didn't know, hear it I, I know, you know exactly what i mean what it read weird about. but yeah, i didn't because yeah. there was no i remember trying to look for video of it i'm like i want to hear this to know exactly what he said and it was one of those things where there wasn't any video but the 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 brief clip that i saw and how i interpreted it was that Robin Lehner came out and said some things about me, Alan Vigneault, and he made Oh, so he was like building off of the... Um, yeah, and he said, kind of like how other guys will think COVID's not real, and some guys Weird will, example, though. Yeah. Weird example, <laughs> but like topical, I guess. Because <laughs> the way the quote read, I just thought, I'm like, is Elaine Vigneault just like being a open COVID denier no one's talking about it? I'm like, seems like kind of a news story, but okay, yeah. anyway. And okay, so th there was that, and then and then Alex, maybe I'll, I'll direct this one more towards you, uh, because uh, I don't know if you would have caught it. It's since been deleted, so you know I'll give Robin Lynn a little bit of credit on this one. But uh, he he kind of got into a little bit of a, a scuffle with Akeem Alou on Twitter uh, that same evening, where Akeem Alou kind of uh, took something that was said and 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 quoted it and and uh, you know said. Uh, good luck, more or less. You know, maybe the league will look at this in two years and get back to you. And Robin Leonard took that as like, you know, like don't don't bring me into your battle, and you know, I'll handle it how I want to handle it. And it was just this really weird like moment of whose side am I on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Akeem Alou obviously is going through his own uh, his own issues, his own battles against the National Hockey League, and. It's not working out too well for him, uh, so it seems. We're still waiting on that Bill Peters, uh, you know, <laughs> investigation. But um, it's since been taken down by Robin Leonard, but uh, by all accounts, a super strange interaction. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest with you, James, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to comment on that because I didn't know that was a thing until you just brought it up now. <laughs> I didn't know that him and Nakeem Alou went at it. And I was, I was kind of confused when you said that it was Alou that he was going after because, you know, while they are kind of fighting different battles right now, they all fall under the same umbrella of exposing the NHL for its flaws, right? Right. So exactly. That's, the, yeah. that, that's team, why yeah. it, it would kind of it would kind of surprise you to see those two 
kind of going at it with each other. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't really have much I can say on that, to be honest, because I didn't know, I, I didn't know that there was uh, even some beef between them. That's, I, that's fair. I, I, I'll say one thing about Robin Leonard that I think like some people just tend to overlook. And, and I don't know if this is giving him too much credit about something or reading into something too much, but like, I've said this before on the show is like, I think us as North Americans have a tendency to overlook people that, uh, are, are using English not as their first language. And sometimes, like, things just read wrong or, like, come out wrong from guys that, you know, haven't necessarily been speaking a language that long. I understand Robin Leonard's fluent in English. But, like, when you read some of his tweets, like, they don't quite read like a, like a, you know what I mean? Like, they don't quite read right. Like, it's just one of those things where I think sometimes he says things that just get misunderstood and it's maybe not exactly how he means for them to come out. It's the whole thing with Bobrovsky before he left. And I mean, he ended up leaving, but like everyone was like, Oh man, he kind of asked for a trade. And then like you watch the clip and he just like, you know, it just kind of came out wrong sort of thing. Not a trade, but like he said, he was going to leave. I don't know. And then he did leave. So maybe he was right, but. And that's fair. Like I, I will, I will grant you that much, you know, uh, definitely uh, not his native tongue by any means, but just like I said, a really weird kind of can't we all just get along moment <laughs> that took yeah. place. And the I fact that he deleted that. it, you know, I, I think speaks to the fact that maybe he knows he was in the wrong and he, you know, took it down and, and, and yeah. yada, yada. But yeah, I don't know. He, um, he, he seems to like make more cogent points uh, when he's giving an interview than when he's tweeting. I've just, I've noticed that. Like, I feel like it doesn't, it just reads a little scrambly kind of thing. I don't know. Okay, um, I think we're going to shift into the season predictions now, unless there's anything else anybody wanted to fire out, uh, topical no. news. No, uh, we've talked way too much about sad stuff. and Sad stuff? Well, uh, Potentially COVID-denying people, and that's right. enough of that. We don't need right. any of this. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's, it's a happy podcast, right? Anyway, we're let's talk about the Alex Detroit Red Wings Alex is never going to come back again, because, in. yeah, we're just so <laughs> depressing. And... Hey, man, you got you to gotta address the uncomfortable topics. Yeah, <laughs> don't what you, are you doing? What are you doing if you don't sink yourself into that into that cesspool? Well, uh, it it'll it'll please you to know, uh, Alex, that uh, uh, we will get to talking about a goaltender here tonight uh, from our town that we personally know. So that'll get fun uh, about Ooh. his COVID thoughts. <laughs> Fuck sakes! <laughs> God damn it! Oh boy. The, 2021-2022 season predictions uh, as given by the Laced Up podcast. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to start out in the Pacific Division because wow. uh, I, I like a lot of uh, you know media members, I hate that East Coast bias. I yeah, hate and, that East Coast bias. And it's so weird to me. Every time we do this shit, it just, it, you, to, to me, you go in order of time zone and we always start out West and it just, it's weird. I was just going to say, I know this doesn't make sense at all, but starting with the Pacific Division kind of feels like we're going counterclockwise. Yeah. I don't know yeah, how. It's, I, it's I, the, I don't know how to describe it, but it's the one situation where you should read right to left. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but we don't. But we don't. Oh, there you go. You know what? And, and before we get into who's going to finish where, uh, worst division in the NHL right now? Yeah. Got to be. Oh. Yeah. yeah, not even a question for sure. I actually, I was when I was putting together my predictions for every division, I was the Pacific was the one that I had the hardest time with because yeah, really, I was, 
Well, yeah, because I was I like, so I, I, okay, obviously there's this team. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I was like, obviously there's this team that's going to finish first. This team will probably finish second. And then this, oh, th- that really is that team the best of the remaining options? Like they're going to finish there that they're going to be a guaranteed playoff team. Like, yeah. oh my God. Like I was, I was having a tough time with it just because I was like, there are so many bad teams that I feel don't deserve to be yeah. <laughs> in the positions they are, but you know, that's someone's got to round them out. So we'll see. And, and I guess there is a bit of wiggle room at the bottom. Like there isn't, I don't think a consensus number eight team, um, but that's where we're going to start. And we're going to start with eighth and we're going to work our way up to first for the Pacific division. Gentlemen, um, are we all in agreement that we've got the Anaheim ducks in eighth? Here, here. Yeah. We've, uh, we've unfortunately, oh, as, wow. as much unanimous, as much as I want the ducks to be good, they aren't, they are not. The problem with the ducks is they just need to decide what the hell they're doing. Right. Like they, they don't seem to want to rebuild. They are certainly not uh, very good, though, so that's a problem for sure. Mm-hmm. In a sport that I measures they, goodness. I think they are kind of sort of trending towards that rebuilding stage, though. I mean, yeah. you can make the argument that, they're, that they don't want to rebuild because they've got John Gibson still between the pipes and they've got... You know, they're they're kind of at a point where I mean they brought they brought Ryan Getzloff back, so I guess they're just gonna let him play out his career there. But well, you Getzloff's kind of tell- one thing, but like it's it's the whole the whole thing with me is the blue line, right? Because those guys are never going to be more valuable than they were. They're just continuing to lose value, and it's like it's like three now almost distressed assets where it's like I don't know what the hell you're really gonna get for Cam Fowler, yeah, at this point. Fair, but they could have got quite a bit, and it's like. I think they bobbled on how to approach the rebuild, mm-hmm. but they do but have some good prospects. Yeah, either way, it's still sort of paying off for them because, I mean, you can yeah. kind of tell just by watching that they're sort of kind of slowly passing the torch from the Getzlofs and guys like that to Trevor Zegris and Jamie Drysdale and Troy yeah. Terry. I mean, they got a bunch of guys who are looking real good for them and uh, who look like they could make up a really nice core for them in the future. So they, they are, they do have some exciting players to watch. I'll give them that, but I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to finish last. Yeah. Um, in seventh, how do we feel about their uh, California rivals, the San Jose Sharks? Yeah, that's, that's where I had them. Really? Two out of three. Well, we will have our first uh, disagreement of the predictions portion. Uh, Probably have, the only one, right? Of course. Yeah. Uh, I have. Well, I get. We're going to disagree on the next one, I guess, because uh, <laughs> I because uh, of math. I um, I have the Vancouver Canucks in seventh. I don't uh, wow. particularly feel very strong about them at all. So, wow. Yeah. Wow, that is that's a hot take. I like it. <laughs> is it? I mean, I don't know. Like, I think uh, I think Vancouver has definitively the worst defensive defense in the NHL. And uh, one of the only guys where I felt okay about maybe was Travis Hamanick, who is now gone. So like I like Quinn Hughes defends by having the puck, which is great. Um, but when he doesn't have it, he's terrible. And so it's just one of those things where how good do I think their goaltending is necessarily like, I think Demko's good, but I think it might be one of those situations where uh, they end up kind of like Gibson in Anaheim, where I think he's just going to kind of get overworked, and at some point he's going to be tired and let in some goals. Like I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a ton of faith in the team outside of uh, four guys, maybe. So, 
right? I mean, like you you make a pretty good argument about the defense for Vancouver, but I'll say this: there's no like, debating that part. <laughs> there just is. Well, I'll, I'll push back a little <laughs> bit because unless unless like beard and hair length is a defensive stat, the San Jose Sharks have got uh, a whole it's lot not of great. nothing going not, on back not there. Not great. <laughs> That. Consider the fact too that every 24 hours it seems Vander Kane decides to find some other way to <laughs> fucking bury himself even more than he already has. So yeah, he's not going to be he's not going to be back in San Jose this year. And I don't know, man. There's to be completely honest, nothing really excites me about the San Jose Sharks besides Thomas Hurdle. I'll say that. Yeah. They they've got what? They come on. Second worst goaltending tandem in the league. It's who Aiden Hill and James Reimer. Not not good. It's it's at least uh, it's it's not the second worst because I think Arizona and uh, Buffalo have that definitively locked up. Like I think Aiden Hill's fine, but the team in front of him might not help that case. Like I, it, it's not so much my uh, my my distaste for Vancouver here either. Like I I think there are a couple things to like about San Jose, but eh, not crazy about them either. I don't think any of these teams are good. How about that? How about yeah, I just clarify well, I think that? that's one we can all agree on. I think there's one team in this division I can definitively like feel good about, and the other seven are uh, uh, thumbs down. Well, how about sixth place? Because I think, you know, Alex, you and I were really shooting for this 32 for 32 mark. We're off to a running start. How do you feel about the LA Kings in sixth? Nope. Yeah, really? there that's it sorry. is. No, sir. Nice. <laughs> no, I, uh, my sixth place team was actually Seattle, Seattle Kraken. Yeah. Interesting. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seattle. I mean, okay. I truth be told, you know, we were talking early on in the pod about how, you know, you, you brought in a third horrible opinion to, to line up with yours <laughs> and yeah, it, it's, that's a, there's a very good chance that this will end up being one of those instances because I was even saying before the season started before Seattle even had their team, I, I, I know that if I bet against an expansion team, it'll come back to bite me in the ass because I did it with Vegas in 2017. And I just, part of me kind of has that same vibe, but you know, looking at Seattle's roster, it just really does not excite me as much as I guess, not to say the Vegas is really did either, but I don't know. There's just, I, I guess the Pacific division kind of is wide open. Like you said, we can all agree with that because you know, there's a lot of bad teams in that division, but I don't know. I, I I don't think that they really have just the, the all around firepower to really make any serious noise in that division. I mean, they have a, they have a couple of pretty nice goalies. I'll give them that. They have some intriguing pieces up front. They got Mark Giordano, great captain on the back end. But and so with that, I think sixth is probably a respectable spot to put Seattle. But I don't know. I don't really see them challenging for much higher than that. I think one thing about Vegas coming in, right, was just like they they had this misfit sort of narrative to them. And like, I don't really think Seattle has that. Like Vegas came in and there were a lot of guys where they were relative unknowns. Whereas with like Seattle, like we know who a lot of these guys are. Like, mm-hmm. like, like I heard like Puck, Puck Soup, they made a joke about how Jared McCann is the William Carlson of the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's like, no, I think Jared McCann is as good as he's been. Like, I don't think he's any better than what he's been and it's still good but is he gonna score 43 fucking goals this year like william carlson yeah did? i mean no if, uh, he's as not. long as like, they're yeah unless they're predicting that jared mccann's gonna come out and put up fucking 90 points or something like right and i don't yeah. like i, that, I don't know who their 90 point guy would be right it's just like yeah they they they're certainly i think they're better than what you're saying but i understand hesitancy to say that 
they're going to be a, a Vegas clone either. Like, I don't see yeah. how that's possible either. Just out of curiosity, who did uh, Jared McCann play with last year? Mark Donk and Buzz, Buzz Flibbit. Flibbit. Yeah. Buzz yeah. Flibbit. Okay. That's okay. right. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> yeah. I love how when Twitter was flickering there, when everything was down this week, how he was just like, I've wasted my life, eh? Like acting a fool of me. He's just like, I've wasted my life on this website making up fake hockey players. It's great. <laughs> Killed me. So I got the king. I got the Kings. Alex has uh, the Kraken at six. Uh, Brutes, where do you fall? Oh, San Jose. I still don't think they're going to be good. I just think I think Vegas or I think Vancouver is going to be bad. So, all right. Yeah. In fifth, I have uh, the good old Calgary Flames. James, we're on the same page, buddy. Calgary number five. I like to hear. Hmm. Hmm. Where are you at, Brutes? Uh, I'm not. I'm not thrilled about this because I really want them to be good, but I have the Kings in fifth. Um, I don't know. It's just I'm really, really skeptical about their defense. That's all that is. Like, I I think their forward group is going to be pretty good. It's just more or less like what style of hockey they want to play, and I'm not so sure about that. But I don't mind Cal Peterson. Like, I think he's fine. Uh, Their forward group to me is fairly good. But, um, yeah, that defense, I think, is just not good enough. I think uh, the Kings are going to spend more time without the puck this year than they did last year, despite the fact that they've maybe gotten better up front. I don't know. Yeah, you know, in terms of having the Flames fifth for me, I don't don't really – the Flames, just for whatever reason, they don't excite me as much as they used to. You know, I remember back in the day mm-hmm. when they had that they had that sizzling top line of Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk, and Sean Monahan, and they were uh, they were f- fired on all cylinders. And then when they had, uh, oh man, I'm completely blowing a blank here. Who did they have between the pipes before Jacob Markstrom? I don't know why I'm Dave Riddick. Dave, no, but it was Dave Riddick, and it was there was somebody else there. <laughs> yeah, you're right. What uh... the hell? Well, they had Smith and Talbot like a year separated, and before that, I don't know. I always honestly the goalie I think of before that's Carey Ramo, but he played like eight, nineteen Ramo, games. Oh yeah, so yeah, forgot he's about just him. my guy. So I will say that I do like the acquisition of Blake Coleman for Calgary. I mean, fuck, history repeats off to, off to a hard start anyway. Yeah, literally, if Cal- if history repeats itself, I mean, Blake Coleman's probably going to lead the Flames to a cup this year, but. Um, <laughs> To be completely honest, yeah, I don't know. They just, I think the loss of Giordano might bite them a little more than they think. I mean, that guy has been the heart and soul of the Flames for the past couple of years. And then there's still all those, there's still all the fog in the air surrounding Matthew Kachuk and everything. And whether or not they're going to try and trade him or whatever. And Johnny Goudreau has been a little inconsistent. I just, I can see them having flashes of brilliance this year and being exciting at times. But I just, I, I don't really see them as a serious contending team in that division. Good, not great. Yeah, mm-hmm. more or yeah. less. Uh, number four. This is where I have the Elias Pettersson-led Vancouver Canucks. All right. This might be a little bit of a hot take, but this is where I've got the LA Kings. Yeah, I really wrestled with that too, to be honest yeah. with you. I I have Calgary here. Like, if I had to give a point, uh, projection I have them like a point or two above the Kings honestly like I just don't it, it was very very close for me uh, but like like to your point yeah the the Flames do not excite me 
Uh, I don't love their back end. Like, like one, like I like Chris Tanev a lot, but he is one of those players where the bottom is going to fall out at some point. And uh, I don't know how many more injuries he can really sustain before that happens. Uh, I think Markstrom will be better, but I don't, I don't love their forward group. And to be quite honest with you too, uh, the way the playoff format works, like I have them in fourth missing the playoffs as well. Now, now, what do you like about the Kings so much, Alex? You know, I, I don't just see I, it. You know, that's Byfield. and that's totally that's totally fair. Quentin but Byfield. What I do oh, like well, about the he's out for like three months. <laughs> there you go, Victor Arvidsson. See, and that's to be shall I go on? To yeah, be how about the defense? Completely honest. Uh, yeah, the defense has a little bit of a question mark for sure. And to be to be honest, like the Byfield, the whole Byfield injury happening kind of throws me off a little bit because when I put this yeah. list together, it was before that was announced. So I bet this might be kind of like a hesitant take that I look back on, but I just love what they've done and kind of accelerating their um, accelerating their, their, their rebuild, if you want to call it that yeah. and not even fully committing to it. Like I've, they've still got Anze Kopitar and Drew Dowdy and Jonathan quick all there, obviously. And um, it's like, you 45 know, 45 minutes a night where they're going to have one of Anze Kopitar, or Philip Deneau on the ice. Like that's going to be a nightmare to play against. I don't. And then even as bad as their D is like, that kind of makes up for it. Right. Like, I don't know. And then I, like I said, I love the acquisition of Victor Arvidsson too. I think that was a big one for their forward group. And yes, the defense is obviously suspect, but I don't know. I just, I I think that, I think they have the potential to be one of those teams. Which one of you was it that said that? um, I think it was you brutes saying that the, um, uh, the fact that you've got, two teams making it in the central and just the top three making it from the Pacific. Yeah. Yeah. Like that might be kind of hard for me there. Uh, and that, that, that kind of adds to my point just because I don't know that the Kings are going to be that, that team that really challenges for a playoff spot and like kind of makes it like it makes a statement doing it. If that makes yeah. any sense. But I do think that they have potential to be one of those teams that just gets hot. They're, they're like, they've got a good mix of veterans and young guys. And I do think they have potential to be one of those teams that kind of make, make, make some noise during the regular season. I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, but I, I think fourth is a fair place to put them this year. Yeah. No, like I said, I, I, I basically had them making the jump, but it's just, I can't get over the defense and I'm, I, I would happy. I'd be happily wrong with the Kings. Cause I do like the Kings, but um, yeah, like I, I, I'm so low on this division that my fourth place Calgary would probably be like seventh in the central for me. Like I just don't <laughs> have any faith in these teams. Really, no. I'm also going over and above to shit on the flames because of the Calgary flame fan contingent that we have of our fan base. I just know that their blood is boiling. Listen to this. So <laughs> trying to get them going uh, in third place. Uh, the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Me too. No, Me too. no, but this, no, I'm, I'm not agreeing with you guys here, but at the same time, I'm a little bit surprised. I was expecting to hear somebody else there from you, uh, James. Um, this might be a little bit of a hot take considering where Brutes had them, but I've got the Vancouver Canucks finishing third in the division. And okay. to elaborate on that a little bit, I really, I don't know that going out and trading for OEL and Connor Garland was the smartest move for them to make long-term. <laughs> However, I do think that in doing that, they have committed themselves to go for it. Whether that was a smart decision or not, I think they are legitimately going to be trying to make a playoff run this year and kind of channel some of that energy from 2019-20 when they were in the bubble. And 
like I said, I, I don't know. I think that there might be some uh, some issues surrounding them about this long term. They, they, there might be some stuff that kind of rears its ugly head and says, you know, <laughs> that this may not have been the smartest move for them to make long term. But at the same time, I do think that they are in it to win it this year and maybe not win the Stanley Cup. Obviously, I think that'd be a little bit of a reach for them. But I think at the very least, they're capitalizing on how weak their division is. And I mean, the, the additions of OEL and Connor Garland, uh, they're going to be making some noise offensively this year. And I think especially considering they're not in the North division anymore. And they're, you know, I know that COVID outbreak they had really screwed them last year. I think there's, I think that team is hungry and I think that they're going to at least try to make some noise. So that's why I've got them finishing third, just because of all the teams that we've talked about so far, they're the ones that are making the big balls moves and they're making these big trades for these guys. And they shut out all their, all their veterans with the, with the steep cap hits, Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, all them. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens this year, but I, I I've got them third for that reason. As someone who has no opinion on the Vancouver Canucks, really uh, like whether I like them or dislike them. I hope Jim Benning gets a lifetime contract. Cause man, is he fun to watch run a team? God damn. It's <laughs> like, ah, oh, we're going to bring in Connor Garland. He's like, yeah, he rocks, but we're also going to bring in Oliver Ekman Larson. And like, some people are like, oh, that's cool. And everyone else is like, nah, you don't watch enough for him. You know, you're. Gonna, I feel like you're, yeah. that move is the definition of a boomer bust move. I love or, it. Uh, honestly, OEL specifically, yeah. I think it's terrible. Honestly, <laughs> I think it's a horrible trade. But I just love the idea. Like he's trying. I don't know. Let's see what happens. And that's why it. I have them there because I think him going out there and trying. I don't know. I think there's still a little bit of a possibility of them doing something with it this year. And like you said, he's trying. God bless him. He's capitalizing on the <laughs> on the horrid Pacific Division. And I gotta I gotta commend him for that. So we'll see how it plays out. The top six forwards are good. I, I I can't take that away from them. They have a good top six, right? But yeah, I don't know. Patterson's gonna need to score a billion goals this year. He will. Yeah, he might. That's my, that's my guy. He's good. Hard finalist. I think I said that last year. Um, <laughs> it sounds good. Uh, number two. The uh, we all got we all got Vegas at two, right? No. Um, <laughs> Seattle Kraken. Yeah, I, I again process of elimination. That's where I have them too. Uh, and uh, it, again, it was tough for me with uh, Seattle and Edmonton. I I do openly like I everyone who listens to the podcast knows I have a bias for good defense, and I personally think the Kraken have a very good defense on paper. Whether or not it plays that way, I don't know. But uh, the Oilers have, uh, spoiler alert, an abysmal defense. But Connor McDavid might score three trillion points this season. So uh, I have Edmonton third, Seattle second, again, by like maybe a point. You can flip them. Yeah, I mean, I've got Edmonton second. And just for the sole purpose that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are probably going to single-handedly carry those guys to a good regular season. I don't know how they're going to fare in the playoffs. I think, <laughs> I think they should fucking hope that they're not going into the playoffs with a pairing of Cody Cece and Duncan Keith on the back end. I feel like that's probably not a position you want to find yourself in. But you know, if we're speaking strictly in terms of um, in terms of regular season, I mean, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are just 
they're they're on another level. And I, I just think that those two guys and obviously Zach Hyman on McDavid's wing this year, I think he's going to have a big season. That's a sore topic for us Leafs fans, but uh, yeah. I think he's going to have a big season. I think the Oilers are going to remain one of the better teams during the regular season, but yeah, uh, playoff time, that, that might be a different story. We'll see. I think one of my favorite tweets from the preseason was uh, an Oilers fan tweeting out about how, like, why did we sign Cody CC? He doesn't do anything. He can't break the puck out. He doesn't know what he's doing on defense, all this shit. And then Bonk's mullet just being like, I think every fan base should have to endure a year of Cody CC so they all have this <laughs> revelation. And I'm like, that's that's perfect. Like, we should all have to just do this step by step. It'd be great. Yeah, that yeah, happens. And then, Pittsburgh, and then Pittsburgh sitting there laughing like, well, we actually somehow got a good version of Cody CC. So, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. He wasn't, he, wasn't. he was one of their dude. I said that on the sticks and the six podcast a couple weeks ago, we were previewing the center, or the, uh, the, yeah, the, the uh, Metro division. And I said, I, I actually uttered the sentence. Cody CC was a pretty big loss for them. And then I was like, I can't believe I just said, I can't believe I just spoke those words. <laughs> that rocks. Oh yeah. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights and won by uh, unanimous uh, 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 approval. It seems like, um, yep. Not much to say here. Like this is, no. I think the only oh, hiccup that you might see out of this team is, again, like I don't, I don't think it, but like if Robin Leonard just finds that he's not capable of handling it, or if he gets hurt or something, like the depth at goaltending is nowhere where it was last year, and maybe that's a problem. But I, I, I okay, if, this might be a hot take, but like I have watched every single one of his starts for the last two years. And I do think that Laurent Brassois is better than people realize. Like, I do think he is a pretty good backup goaltender. Um, but whether, you know, if they have to play him for 30, you know, 35 to 50 games this year, like I, I you know, 35 might be your, your happy number, but when you get into the 40s, yeah, if Leonard gets hurt or something, that's it might get a little messy for sure. They'll still make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, like, for, I would pick them there if Laurent Brassois is going to play 60 games. I'm just saying that Ooh. might hinder their cup chances. Hmm. Yeah. All right, uh, sticking with the Western Conference, we'll switch over to the uh, Colorado Avalanche division. Um in uh, in eighth place, uh, the uh, Houston Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes. What, what, what are we calling them these days? Yep, the team that Austin Matthews is without a doubt going to book it for as soon as he's a free agent, because you know he's just dying to go to a team that can't afford to pay their players their forty thousand signing bonuses. You know that seems right up Austin Matthews' alley. Yeah, who wouldn't want to play for a team that has literally no goaltending? And I say that about the guy from my hometown. Uh, yeah, I, I talk to Huts like once a week. I, I love him, so I uh, refuse to say that they're going to be in last. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm leaving that. Well, <laughs> I'm just not going to say it. Oh, yeah. doesn't okay. mean I don't we're think all, it. We're all thinking it. I'm not oh, okay. saying it. I love uh, seventh, that team to pieces, but man, they're bad. Uh, seventh, the I think they're rebuilding Nashville Predators. Oh, for sure. For 100%. sure, I think I think they're going to be worse than people actually think too. Like I, I think they're terrible, but um, yeah, I don't. Again, they they might be one of those teams that gets stuck in the whole uh, Anaheim mold 
And it's it's going to stay that way until David Poyle retires, unless he decides he wants to rebuild, which wouldn't really make sense for him to do. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a a bit of a tough time to be a Predator fan for sure. Every win that UC Saros gets this year is just going to bring David Poyle one week closer to death. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it, UC. This is yeah. what I want. Get to your I want Brad Lambert. <laughs> I can see Brad Lambert in a Preds jersey for some reason. I don't know why. Right? Isn't that can. weird? Isn't that yeah. weird? How you can just see that yeah. in, in your you mind. Just, I can I can visualize it happening. I don't know why, mm. but I can. Uh, sixth, the Chicago Blackhawks. Oof. Talk dirty to me, James. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It is. I've got Chicago six too. Okay, good. Yeah, good. we're on the same page. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're not there's not a lot to love i mean like i don't know they they they're trying they're another team like they they made some okay moves i just i think they're they're not strong enough to get by in what i think is going to be a fairly okay division this year so they are like the textbook definition of a rebuilding team in denial yeah like I, I, I can kind of understand it because I think it, it would it would have a massive negative effect on the fans if they traded Kane and Taves, which if you want to do a proper rebuild, you would have to trade those two guys. And you know, we we've all seen I mean, maybe not 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 as much me considering I was in fucking diapers at the time, but we've seen the worst of the Chicago Blackhawks and 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 how their fan base is in the, in that sense. So um yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think that they are really in a position to be making moves as if they're a contender. Um, I, I I but I also don't think that they're bad enough to really challenge Nashville or Arizona for those bottom two spots. So I think they're I think six is the perfect spot for them. I think they're just kind of stuck there. Yeah, they would yeah, uh, they would fare well in two thousand and five two thousand six. That's a sick roster. You got Flurry and Net. You know Taves Kane. Oh. They that's, still have Seabrook, a, yeah, right? Stanley Cup winning roster. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think they, he's, I think Seabrook's in Tampa Bay now. They 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 yeah. traded for Tyler Johnson just to get rid of Seabrook or whatever right. that was. That's right. I forgot about that. It's a good trade. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they gave up nothing to get Tyler Johnson and Mark Andre Fleury. Like I'll give them uh, I'll give them a little bit of credit there. However, they gave up everything to get Seth Jones, and he's bad. Do you yeah. think that? Um, like, do you guys think that it's the same thing though? If they were to trade Kane than Taves like I think Taves would get so much more pushback I I think they could get away trading Kane but I'm not I'm not a Blackhawk fan I just I feel like Mm. I feel like they could sell that one whereas Taves I don't know how you sell that especially because Taves's trade value is nowhere near what it would have been years ago so you got your fans in denial that'll just be like well you're trading him for pennies on the dollar whereas Kane like contract aside Patrick Kane still incredibly good like i didn't keep him in fantasy for the first year in like five years and my heart is broken but i was just gonna say i think that i think you hit the nail on the head right there saying that the the thing that would make taves hurt more is the fact that his value is nowhere compared to kane's so would it would it be worth trading him for the assets that you would get but then sacrificing you know the his the captain and the whole captain serious thing and how i like he's your number one center he's he's your go-to penalty killer he's your he's been your guy for however many years which Kane you know he's he's kind of been on that level for the Blackhawks as well but um like adjusting for inflation yeah have we ever seen a contract of like Taves's 
or there's no way you can answer this right off the bat, but like Taves's percentage of the cap. Like when was the last time we saw a contract that big moved? Like I I don't even know when. Like we've never seen a player moved over ten million dollars salary in the in the cap era. So like I don't even think you know what I mean. Like you'd be trading him for bad contracts and maybe a prospect. Best case yeah. scenario, like you can't. Why would you do that? Just don't even bother. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think that the, I think the the difference though is is that you just went a season that where you lived without Jonathan Taves. So if you were ever going to move on from Jonathan Taves. Like the fan base is ready where they've already experienced what it's like to not have them. And it's funny you say that too, because I almost agree the other or disagree the other way. Cause where it's just, I think that now that he's ready to come back now, you have to play him this year. Cause he's going to be one of like the, the, the fan reception alone when he steps on the ice at on the season opener is going to be unlike anything aside from their banner raisings that they've heard in that rink. Yeah. I think it's all, it's all about separating the emotional reaction to trading a guy like Jonathan Taves to i guess the what well, the business the business reaction to trading right. a guy like him i think that's the big thing right there because uh you do raise a good point james i mean i i think once the fans you know take a look at it from a business standpoint and think okay we just played a season without jonathan taves like we this team is capable of playing without him but then you got to look at it on the other hand and think, you know, this is a fan base that wants nothing more than to see their captain take the ice again. And, you know, Chicago has been milking that too. It's like, Oh, hello, stranger, whatever, when he's pulling up to the rink with his hockey bag and stuff. And then if you were to pull the rug out from under their fans and trade them, that would, I I feel like there'd be a lot of negative pushback at first, but I I think once they look at it from a business standpoint, it's probably not that big a deal, but. Oh, give it a month and see if you can still play hockey even. Um... (laughs) Well, that's another thing too. Like right when, when he left, that's the best I've seen him play in, in since like 2016. Yeah. It was in the bubble. He looked unbelievable. And so, is he going to be anything like that when he's back? I don't know. I hope so. Uh, fifth place, the Dallas Stars. Mm. Yeah. Me too. Oh, Alex, we were almost halfway there. I know. I fuck. I feel horrible. <laughs> This would have been the division to do it, too. I I was like, this was the easiest one for me. Even though I think it's a good division, I, like, hammered through this one. Yeah. I have Winnipeg finishing fifth, actually. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? That might be a little bit of a hot take, but I I really just – I'm not as impressed with their forwards as I have been in years past. And, you know, their defense has obviously always been a little bit suspect. And I do respect the fact that they went out and they picked up Brendan Dillon. Um, I think he was a big addition to their back end as well. And Nate Schmidt as well. That was the other name that I was thinking of. I forgot about I think Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon were both solid acquisitions for them. But I don't know. There was just a different feel around that Jets offense after they traded Patrick Line. And I know that that relationship was kind of broken beyond repair. But I did not. I was not impressed even a little bit by what I saw from Pierre-Luc Dubois last year. And, you know, Shifley, I think he, he, he sort of became a little bit of a hothead at the end of the season there. Uh Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers are both obviously super exciting players, but I don't know. I just, this, I, I kind of group them into the same category as the Calgary flames here where they just, I, 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 and you know what? I'll probably end up eating my words eight months from now. Well, they might be a, a top three team and I'll be like, well, I was wrong to dealt them, but I kind of stick them in the same category as the flames where I say they just, they don't excite me like they used to. So. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. And the thing too, like, I don't, think Dallas is particularly amazing either to have them in fifth I just think that they're better than the Flames at four in the other division like I have them in the playoffs um and 
I have no reason to think that they're going to be all that amazing. I just think that they're <laughs> the best team and they're better than the Flames in the other division. So I, I don't have any real thoughts on the Dallas Stars here. So A full season of Tyler Sagan. Fire me up. Let's go. Yeah. I'm on it's the fence on that one. But. They, won't, they can't pick a goaltender. Yeah. So uh, fourth. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, okay. Can someone clarify to me what their goaltending situation is? Because am I not wrong in, in they have four. Yep. They, did I miss something? They got Ben. They got Ben Bishop. They got um, Anton Kudobin still. They got Jake Edinger. I don't know if I pronounced that right. And Holpe. Yeah. So. So what's the plan? <laughs> like, am I am I missing? Yeah, Bishop? Their AHL team is gonna have the best t- goaltending tandem ever. Could you Braden imagine Holt. you're in the you're in the AHL playing Texas Stars and you have to go up against a goaltending tandem of Braden Holpe and Jake Edinger? Now, what is? the policy in texas on turtles like are they is he gonna be he made it across the border they're fine oh oh, did he okay all right well that's all i really care about the the amount of other shit that texas lets get through the border i'm sure a turtle isn't the end of the world that's where they draw the line as turtles right that's that's no 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 no, no that's that's where it's too sick for them yeah yeah you gotta take Um, your shell off to get in who do we got for fourth uh fourth we got the st louis blues Mm. i do too um, I have the Dallas Stars at fourth, so okay. I wasn't giving him as I wasn't giving him way way more credit like like than I than I should have been, but yeah, I've got the um I've got the Stars finishing fourth. I do think that what gives them the edge over Winnipeg is obviously having a full season out of Tyler Sagan, like you mentioned. I think a full season out of Jason Robertson potentially is going to be big for them too. Yeah, I think. Miro Heiskanen is going to take a big step forward this year. And uh, yeah, the one drawback they do have is that they can't pick a goalie, like you guys said, but uh, I do think that they kind of made some solid acquisitions to their back end as well. I think Ryan Suter, you know, he, you can tell, we can talk about how he's lost a step and everything, but I think now that he's going to be making less and uh, doesn't have the, doesn't have the pressure of the Minnesota wild that he did last year on him. uh, I think he's going to be a little bit better this year. So I've got them finishing fourth, uh, but they, they don't excite me enough to be a top three team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Dallas is one of those teams I could see finishing pretty much anywhere in these in these eight spots. Just who knows? They have some things to like for sure. Yeah. Uh, in third, uh, Brutes, we're five for five so far. Can we can we make it six for six with the Winnipeg Jets in third? No. Mm. Ooh. Uh, Minnesota Wild for me, sir. I guess that would be the other team, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I got them in second. That's fair. All right. I have the St. Louis Blues in third. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So we're all kind of in the same ballpark yeah. in, the, in these picks here. Like, I still think, I, like, no, I, I, there, I think these are all competitive teams. Like, I don't really know if anyone in the two to five range for this division is competing for a Stanley Cup necessarily. Like, um, you know, like, I, I guess like, we'll just open this up as like a general conversation about a few of these teams. Like I, I have the jets in second, obviously. And I agree with you where I'm a little soured on their forward group. I think their defense has gotten a lot better and, and that's been the problem for, for a while. Uh, I am concerned about who's playing in net when Connor Halibut's not playing there. And, uh, I'm incredibly concerned as someone who watched every minute of their season last year, cause I had to write about them. Uh, about uh, Blake Wheeler because uh, he was bad. Um, so I don't really know what to expect out of the Jets, but I do sort of get a vibe from them where 
I think Dubois, uh, a full season there, I think is going to make a difference. Um, Cause I think that was just part of it with him and, and line a, like, I think they were just both kind of distressed and, and I genuinely think as long as they settle a little bit here, like I think they'll be fine. Um, I do like the jets forward group. I, I think Appleton's a huge loss, but aside from that, they like, they do have some depth that uh, I think will carry them. So I'm, I'm high on them uh, other than their backup situation too. I don't know how Schmidt's going to fit in because he doesn't really fit Maurice's style at all. So I'm a little bit curious there, but uh, Minnesota, like I, I like Minnesota. I just don't, uh, I don't know. Like they, they're, they, they don't have as much depth as I would like from a team that uh, relies on depth. And uh, they did buy out uh, arguably their best defenseman this summer. So it's interesting in Minnesota, but I think Dean Evison has done a great job there and I think he'll continue to do it. So I have them in third based on talent, uh, not so much. So James, um, where know. do you have the where do you have the wild? I have them second. There we go. Yeah. So we're back on the same page. I, I love to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they trimmed the fat, and they they brought brought back that Russian whiz kid of theirs, and uh, I think they're they're gonna have a, a real solid season yeah. as a result. Minnesota is another one of those teams where it's like. They've been like, you know how I, I I talked about Winnipeg and Calgary saying they don't excite me kind of like they used to. The Wild excite me way more now than they did a couple years ago. I really oh, like yeah. what they're doing and kind of like you moving couldn't on pay me to the... watch their games before. Oh, God. I yeah. enjoy you know, watching them now. They had they had just that typical retirement home staff going. Of, or, <laughs> nah, I, I won't call it a staff, I guess, but they had the retirement home core of you know, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise on those boat anchor contracts. And I like how they're kind of doing the same thing as who's the other team. I was thinking the LA Kings where they're kind of passing the torch over to the younger players. And, you know, I think the young foundation they've built there with Joel Erickson, and Kirill Kaprizov, obviously, and Kevin Fiala. I think they've got a lot of, a lot to be excited about there in Minnesota. And, you know, <laughs> kind of like the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, they've certainly, bet on themselves being competitive over the next two years, because once those buyout penalties from, from the Parise and the, uh, uh, the suitor buyouts come into effect in a couple of years, that's going to be tough. What, what is it like? They're going to have to pay like four. I don't remember what the dollar value was, but they have they, to pay like a it's ridiculous a lot. amount. Yeah. They it's a have, lot. I know that. <laughs> they have, I think it's eight or nine players under contract after next season. And they'll have cap space of $28 million. <laughs> And I don't know how that's possibly going to work. Oh, uh, yeah. So fun times in Minnesota. But I this mean, is... if you have the right people, you can make it work. Like Carolina's made a living on finding guys kind of out of nowhere for cheap. And so have a few other teams. Like if they if they want to spend the money elsewhere to find right, you know, cheap guys, they'll be fine. But that's a big yeah. F. The other thing I will say about the Wild is while they did buy out arguably their best defenseman, I think they did a pretty good job replacing them. They brought in um, Alex Goligoski. They brought in Dmitry Kulikov. They brought in Jordy, Jordy Ben, another name. Like I know none of these guys really hold a candle to, um, uh, I don't know why. Suter, like, Suter. Ryan Suter, yes, thank you. Um, I, I know none of these guys really hold a candle to him, but at the same time, I think they've done a good job of rounding it out and just filling it with experience and guys who know how to get it done. So we'll, we'll see how that ends up. They're betting on those other three, right? And that's mm-hmm. if that's the world, if that's how they want to do it, that's great. Mm-hmm. I did forget to mention that uh, one of the big reasons why I have Minnesota in second is that uh, after he's done at the Mayo Clinic, he's just going to walk out, 
step on the ice, Jack Eichel, first line sentiment for the Minnesota Wild. So yeah, I go. would I'd get into I would, that. I'd I'd be into that hundred yeah. percent. I think the guys on the Steve Dangle podcast were talking about that a couple months ago, saying that it's like a legitimate possibility. Like, I mean, not 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 that there's any like credit to a source, obviously, for something like that, but like it, it's 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 a move that could be made. So Bro, you know. I'd love to see him anywhere where he's playing hockey. I yes, don't give a I, shit I what team it's on. I would welcome Boston at this point. I just want to see him play. Oof. I don't, I don't care. know if I, I I don't know if I go that far, but I, 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 I just do feel see so bad from. for the fucking guy. I just want to see him yeah. play. Mm-hmm. What's that say behind you, Boston? Yeah, no, shocking. Well, I, yeah, um, no, that's right. I'm secretly <laughs> a Bruins fan. I'm a sleeper cell. Does anybody have anything they want to say about Colorado? Uh, it's it's real a, good. No, it's, they're it's the best. Done in overwife, isn't it? First place. They're, mile. they're they're mm-hmm. real good. Obviously, there's some injury concern with Kemper and Francis. I'm not worried about it. They'll be fine. Uh, to the east, uh, in which I think for me anyway, this was the toughest division to uh, to see through. And I'll be shocked if all three of us end up with the same team in any spot, uh, aside from maybe eighth here, the Metro Division. All right. Could be interesting. Eighth, yeah. eighth place, Columbus Blue Jackets. Yep. All right. Great start. All downhill from here. Uh, <laughs> seventh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, not quite. All right. I've got Neat. New Jersey finishing there. Well. <laughs> Don't tell me we got three different answers here. We certainly do. And again, <laughs> I thought I thought this was going to be my hot take, but I got some feed- feedback on the Canucks that I didn't think I was going to get. Uh, I think uh, the Flyers. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I just... I'm not really in a position to criticize anybody else's picks here because, like you said, it's the hardest one to predict. So not very excited about any part of that lineup. Like, I... I'm rooting for Kevin Hayes, and I think Sean Couturier is unbelievable, but eh, that defense. Like, I love Ryan Ellis, but I don't know what. Well, I'm you have to keep play. in mind, I'm, I'm not picking uh, uh, Hart for the uh, Vesna this year, so he's going to have a well, season. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe you might still. We'll see. Um, yeah, no. Fly, I just don't have a lot of faith, but they're usually good one year and then bad the next, and I pick the wrong way each year, so they might win the division. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have anything to say about new, having New Jersey there. I just, I, I, I like what they're building over there. I think they're going to have a dangerous team in a couple of years, but I think right now they just don't have the experience. Yeah. And uh, they don't have, they just simply don't have enough t- high-end talent. I mean, they got a lot of good players. They don't have a single great player. I just, I, I see them being better than Columbus, but not by much. I have them sixth. So like, yeah, they're, right. they're, yep. they're not, like they're hey, high so up I on had, the list for me either. I had Pittsburgh sixth. So Beauty. wow, look at this. There you go. I uh, I I also sense. have the Devil sixth. I uh, I expect bigger things out of Heischer and uh, and Hughes. I think their defense improved a lot, but there's definitely some depth issues there, and I don't love their goaltending, uh, particularly if Mister Blackwood is uh, not playing a lot of the games, which it seems like he might not be. So uh, yeah, I don't love Bernier mm-hmm. as their total number one as a one B is fine, but yeah. Um, for me in terms of Pittsburgh, I just, every year they underwhelm me a little bit more and you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, that thing, you know, that thing that I said about the Blackhawks and how they're kind of a rebuilding team in denial. I don't think Pittsburgh is quite where Chicago is, but I think they're certainly trending towards that. And obviously it's, it feels almost impossible to talk about Sidney Crosby, not being on a contending Penguins team, Yeah, but 
I just, yeah, they're, wow. their goaltending situation is very suspect over there. And, you know, I'm sure at some point in January, they'll call up some guy named fucking uh, Al McCraken or something like that. Who will, yeah, <laughs> I was trying to come up with a fake name on the spot right there. Yeah. It has some guy who will get called up and score 30 goals and they'll be in the right in the mix. I'm sure that'll happen. But as of right now, I just, you know, Crosby missing some time to start the year. I just, <clears throat> they don't, they don't excite me. They don't excite me. That should be the title of this episode. They don't excite me. They don't excite me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's obviously number one priority of all these teams is to excite some guy on a podcast. So you, you, you probably won't remember it, Alex, but you have to keep in mind that there was a day uh, where we all woke up one morning and Yarmor Yager and the Pittsburgh Penguins just kind of sucked out of nowhere. It just seems to happen oh, yeah. with this team. It was just like one oh. year's going great. We're winning our Ross trophies. We're going to the conference finals and then boom. We suck. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that time has come. Don't remember that, but I, I played a lot of NHL 05, and that was a, not a flattering Penguins team. So I, <laughs> You get the picture? It's the, the only the, reason I know who Rico Fata is. <laughs> the most vivid, like, non... Actually, I was going to say non-Leafs memory, but it actually does count as a Leafs memory. Like, the most vivid memory I have, like, the youngest hockey memory I have is Mario Lemieux coming back after four and a half years of not playing and scoring five fucking points against the Leafs on Saturday night. And Bob Cole just like, you know, he did a great job with it, but it was like 33 seconds into the game. Leafs are getting scored against like fucking guy hasn't played in five years. They found a way. I think they're going to find a way. Well, I'll get there. Uh, Fifth. I have the flyers. I have the New York Rangers fifth. Me too. New York hockey Rangers just outside of the playoffs (laughs) for what it's worth. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, 100, 100%. Um, yeah, I'll let you elaborate their roots. Yeah, I just, yeah, you know, I, they're another team, like, they're like the kings of the east for me. Like, I really want to believe in this core, I just think there's a little bit to go still. I did not agree with most of the moves they made this offseason. I'm not sure if that's because they were bad moves or because I'm so pro Jeff Gordon that I'm just now overcompensating. Uh, but I just I think they spent money in the wrong places, made moves in the wrong spots, and they could have got a lot better where I don't think they particularly did. Certainly so, don't think that they were in a position to offer a six-year contract to Barclay Goudreau. I feel no. like that's probably probably not the right move to make in that instance. But And that's I mean, a funny thing, too. Like, it's never really – I don't think that's ever going to get considered as, like, the worst contract in the league, but it, it might be the most unnecessary where it's just Exactly. Like, well, that's the right word, unnecessary. They're – like I'm not super high on the guy, but like, like you you could trade for a guy like in the Leafs organization, like Pierre Engvall, who kinda does some of the same things for a lot cheaper, and just give up like a draft pick to get him. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like I just I mm-hmm. would rather take a risk there than commit six fucking years and almost four million dollars to Barkley yeah. Goudreau is going to get you twenty points. Like I just I don't get it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, fourth, I have Washington. Fourth, I've got Philly. Okay. Interesting. You like mm-hmm. Philly, eh? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think Philly has a lot of pot- uh, untapped potential this year. I think, uh, I'm personally, and you know what? I might be pulling a, uh, pulling a coach rock house here, but, um, I, I think Carter Hart is <laughs> you never want to, you never want to pull. No, a I, you've <laughs> earned a reputation. <laughs> to be, 
Yeah. To be fair, pulling a Hobson is equally and sometimes worse. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I just I think that there's going to be a uh, I, I think Carter Hart's in line to have a big bounce back year this year. I mean, he had it doesn't help his case at all that he had one of the worst NHL seasons by goalie in, re, in last year. Yeah. But I think people remember that or sorry, people forget that the year before that. He was one of the better young goalies in the league. Yeah. And I think people expect him to take a step forward. I think he kind of got lost in his own head a little bit last year. And then, like you mentioned, Brutes, Kevin Hayes is going to have a lot to play for this year. Um, clearly shown that they're going for it by bringing in, obviously, Ryan Ellis and uh, Rasmus Ristolainen for the back end. I know Ristolainen's not great. I also think that, you know, while some people might look at the loss of Jacob Voracek and kind of think, that's a big loss to them. I think that the acquisition of Cam Atkinson yeah. is a very underrated one. He's I, I he's one too. of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. So I don't I don't quite understand that deal for Columbus. Like I'm not saying it's bad. I I do think in his prime, Jacob Voracek might be like one of the most like underrated playmakers. Oh yeah, in his prime. But I think he's well past that, and I think Cam Atkinson still quite good so i didn't i never really understood that one for columbus i think it's a better move for philly but i don't know if it moves the needle that much either but i hear what you're saying mm-hmm. um what do we got here in in third i have the carolina hurricanes Ooh. third i've got the washington capitals uh third i have the hurricanes i don't i guess like while we're on the topic of the capitals like i i just don't really have any thoughts on them i think that they uh are certainly aging and parts are getting worse. I think Anthony Mantha is going to have a big year. That's going to also kind of move them up. And so that, that was my thought on them when in fourth, the third, I'm incredibly high on the hurricanes core, but I think their defense got so much worse and their goaltending got so much worse. I understand that their system relies on puck possession, but at a certain point, the weaknesses are going to come through, I think. So uh, I don't think they're going to be bad. Like they're they're third, but I think they're going to be a little bit worse than last year. Fair enough. I would agree with Carolina uh, on all on all points. Like I, I don't think the goaltending is significantly worse. Like I'm not high on Mrazek. I wasn't high on Reimer. Uh, certainly not high on Freddie Anderson. Weird thing with Leaf goalies that I'm not high about. Eh, that's, that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. The defense is god awful compared to what it was last year, and the goaltending is not going to help it. You'd go as far as God awful, eh? Who who's that Italian guy they signed? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I oh, <laughs> okay. The like, Italian I'm not guy. I'm not rooting for him, but like, last he played, he was okay. It's been a while. I and I think he's gonna be worse. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, it's not his existence that like makes them worse. I think it's just the fact that they lost Dougie Hamilton. Like, like, and that, and that's huge to me. Like, I genuinely, I realize I'm in the minority on this one. I think Dougie Hamilton's the best defenseman in the NHL, and uh, him not being there, alongside Slavin, who I like a lot, it's it's gonna hurt still though. Like, he's just yeah. Slavin's not great without him, you know. Uh, number two, I have the New York Hockey Rangers. Wow, like that. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> Number two, I've got the New York Hockey Islanders. Neat. Uh, and you will also probably have the same reaction. I have the Pittsburgh Penguins in second. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Explain yourself. Uh, Show your work. I don't. <laughs> I don't think they're as bad as you guys do. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I, uh, it's my opinion. I think they're a perfectly fine hockey team. I don't think that they're amazing. Uh, when Crosby's healthy, he's still one of the top five players in the league for me. Uh, how he's going to rebound from yet another injury, you never know, but I'm willing to bet on Sidney Crosby at this point. Uh, I think Malkin's going to have a bit of a bounce back when he's healthy. I don't think he's going to be Evgeny Malkin ever again, but I think he'll be at least a contributing number one or number two center rather than a detrimental one like he was last year. Um, I don't hate their D. I think their goaltending's bad. I'll give you that. But um, this was more so a Mike Sullivan pick, quite honestly. Fair enough. Yeah. I can respect it. If, even if I don't understand it. Yeah. Did not sound like you were going to respect it 30 seconds ago, but <laughs> explain yourself. God damn it. Yeah. He showed his work. I see the, I see where he went wrong, yeah, but I can show more, but I think that's enough. <laughs> um, I got the Islanders in first. I mean, we're down to the last two teams. It's, mm. it's no secret who we have here. So I've got the yeah, Islanders I've, in first. <clears throat> I've got Carolina first. Yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, and you know what? You remember? You remember when I said pulling a Rockos earlier, and then I said pulling a Hobson is usually just as bad. Another prime example of pulling a Hobson is underrating the New York Islanders. <laughs> so I'm fully, oh, yeah. I'm fully accepting that this year, Alex. But I just, what's that? If it makes you feel any better, um, that's the only reason I have them in first. And it's not that I actually believe this, but if people want to hear it, I'll say they win the President's Trophy. I don't give a fuck. I'll say anything you want. I'm done betting against the Islanders. I'll yeah. say anything just to just to appease the how wrong I've been in the past. You know, um, it, I'm making progress here because last year I think I had them finishing third and the year before I think I had them finishing fourth. So, yeah, they're slowly working up my ranks. <laughs> You'll take them first next year and it'll yeah. finally yeah. be the if rebuild. They, if they eh? prove me wrong. Yeah, if, I, if they prove me, if they prove me wrong this year, they'll probably end up in. In first on my rankings next year, but then something will happen and they'll lose all their best players. Yeah, Barzal will be on the stars or some shit next year. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows I what a year brings? Typed them out and fourth, and I read it back to myself and said, "I can't do that again." No, so I, I no, you know, you know what? They're, like the Islanders are like one of those teams where uh, I was very unsure when the whole Pelic and Pollock pairing came around that they were the real deal. I kind of, I'm kind of at the point where I think Adam Pollock is or Adam Pollock is the best defensive defenseman in the league. Probably like he's he's pretty high up there. Um, Pollock plays great with him. Like I, I think they have the best pairing probably in the league. So uh, if they play the shit out of them, and they play the same sort of system when they're off the ice and just kind of sixty minute it, uh, they'll be fine. And that's what they've done for years. I I still think they're going to be. I think they're going to be good this year. Uh, one division left. We got the Atlantic. Um, yes, sir. I cannot real, wait to see who you guys have ranked yeah. last place in the Atlantic. Mm. Real, real quick here: eight, seven, six, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa. Yes, in that order. Nice. Go. Wow, we're, we're banging time. through this. This is great. <laughs> uh, fifth, Montreal. Canadiens de Montreal. Habitant. The habitant. These guys know their Atlantic division. Guys, in the <laughs> words of Bon Jovi, we are halfway there. 
I have um, I have the Habs for what it's worth too because I did do it this way, uh, just outside of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I just have a hard time justifying any higher. I don't know. You just wanted to say that out loud, didn't you? Um, I'll give them credit fourth. later when we get to the awards. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. Oh, okay. When... Well, uh, mm. ooh, wow. Yeah. Uh, fourth, the Boston Bruins. Yes, sir. I have Florida. I can see that look on Brutes' face. I, I just knew that was coming. I didn't. I didn't know it was Florida, but I knew that you didn't have Boston fourth. I'm really high on the Panthers team, uh, but I'm not exactly sure that Spencer Knight's going to be uh, amazing this year. I think he'll be fine, uh, and I think Bobrovsky is going to continue to be bad. So I just think that that's going to lose them some games they shouldn't lose. I still think they're going to be very good, uh, but yeah, that's where I have Florida. I'll, I'll say that I could. I probably easily would have swapped Boston and Florida if Tuka Rask was currently part of the organization, but he's not, so I have a hard time getting them up any further than fourth. Sure. Um, so third, I have Florida. Uh, spoiler, I guess. James, th- this is looking good for us, man. I got Florida third, too. I think, uh, you know what, I think the thing with Florida for me is I am pretty high on Spencer Knight, and I think the success they have this year hinges on whether or not he can repeat what he did at the end of last year and in the playoffs, Uh, because if he doesn't, then they've got Sergei Bobrovsky, who continues to be bad. It's going to be a tough time in Florida this year, but um, I do really like the acquisition of Sam Reinhart for them. I think he's going to be a massive addition to their forward core. Me too. Um, And... I think that they have got some. They've got some sneaky young talent coming in too. I think Anton Lundell is going to be a great player for them oh, this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of Anton Lundell, and I love their top pairing of Ekblad and Kenzie Weger. Love that top pairing. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite pairings in the league. So I think that that that's really what I'll leave it at. I think there's some uncertainty between um, the defense, uh, not the defense, sorry, the, uh, the the forward situation because they do have their top guns, but then they've got a little bit of questions regarding their depth. They had some guys. Uh, leave last year and then there's obviously the question between the pipes but aside from that I think they're definitely good enough to be ranked third yeah I should uh, clarify something too when I said I have uh, Florida in fourth I think uh, the top four in this division I think they're all going to be very very good this year it's not like I you know I just Mm -hmm. I I have Boston third I um I like the addition of Allmark a lot. Um, I'm not super, super high on a couple things with their roster, but I will admit that this is one of those picks where uh, I every year I say it's going to be the year that they're not going to be good anymore, and I just, like, I don't know. Like, whatever. They'll figure it out. I, I have no reasoning on it. I'm, I'm not going to defend it. I don't know. They're going to be fine. They're going to be third. I, I have no reason. Yeah. I kind of understand where you're coming from. That's and it, but it's pretty much the same justification for having them fourth. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, they everything points forward. to them taking a step back. Yeah. But it has, but then you for know years. that, but you know, they'll make the playoffs still. And you know, they'll be annoying in the playoffs. Yeah. They'll be annoying down the stretch that that Boston mentality is still there. And it's, it's another still- year where they lost a core player where it's like, that's the straw that stirs the drink. And like, I don't know. I, I'm it's probably Bergeron at this point. Cause they keep losing guys. And it's like, finally, they're going to be bad. I'm like, no, they're still fine. Oh, yeah. Second line center, Charlie Coyle. Watch out. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like that. Don't <laughs> care for that. Oh, boy. 
Now, six for six here, Alex. How do you feel about a first-round matchup with the Battle of Florida 2.0, Tampa Bay Lightning second place? James, we were so close, man. Uh, we were uh, so goddamn close, dude. No, I've got I've got our beloved Toronto Maple Buds finishing second. Uh, yeah, what is some blue and yeah. white team? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they're both blue and white. Whatever. Those choice. Yeah, I have the real blue and white team for sure. <laughs> Uh, and uh, obviously that leaves everybody uh, with, uh, you know, the other team that we just mentioned. So I've got Toronto in first. You guys obviously have Tampa Bay up in first. Uh, returning to their division winning ways, I guess, uh, after taking a step back last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, in my opinion, they're, they're just, they did lose Blake Coleman. They did lose Barclay Goudreau. They did lose some big names, but at the same time, I still think that their offense matches up pretty evenly with Toronto's. I like their defense better and I like their goaltending better than Toronto's. So that's, that, that's basically the only reason I have them ahead of Toronto. Um, I do think that Toronto has a lot of potential this year. I think that's one thing that really differentiates how my mentality about the Leafs heading into last season and my mentality about them heading into this season is last year. They had a lot of safe signings. Like you knew what you were going to be getting out of these guys like Wayne Simmons, we knew what we were going to be getting out of Wayne Simmons. We knew what we were going to be getting out of Joel Thornton, uh, Zach Bogosian. Um, then you look at a guy like Jimmy VC, and like there was a little bit of potential there. Obviously, didn't work out. Uh, this year, I think with you know them bringing in guys like Mon- Michael Bunting, who's finally getting an opera full eighty-two game season in the NHL to prove himself, and then you've got. Peter Morazic, who only played 11 games last year with his injury. Now he's going to be getting regular tandem duties with Campbell. You've got Andre Kasha, who barely played last year. I think you've got a lot of guys that the Leafs were able to get while their value is low. And I think there's way more potential with their signings this year compared to last year. And then there's obviously Nick Ritchie, too, guy who's capable of putting up 15 to 20 goals. So um, I do like what they did this year. I just don't think that as it stands that they hold a candle to Tampa Bay. I got to say, everybody stays healthy. I got a real scorched earth thing coming from the Leafs this season where it's just like this fire of pain and anger, and it's just going to take over. And I realize what I'm saying out loud sounds ridiculous because we're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's never been a thing that's ever happened before. But for some reason, you know, I've got like Willie pushing 40, you know, Mitch chasing down Dougie's record. You know, I've, I've got this really weird, like, they're all just going to come together and just don't get in the way because we're going on a run here. And then they'll lose in the first round. Yeah, well, and that's exactly it, man. Like, I I went into last year, uh, last year's playoffs, and I predicted that the Leafs were going to win the Cup. And because of that, I am not making – I'm not I'm not predicting them to do – anything oh, like that. I think that there's certainly don't, potential Don't worry. There. We don't do cup predictions this episode. Good. We refrain. No, no, I know. I'm just saying in general. Like, Thank the, God. The, the, the Leafs, like, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. They're, they're, like, they're, they're somehow unpredictable and predictable at the same time, if that makes any sense. So um, I think that there's certainly a chance that all those guys could do all those things you just mentioned, James, but I, I don't know. I'm just going to play it safe here. I I'm going to play it safe. It's dawning on me, however, that Brutes has got another first-round matchup with Toronto and Boston. I, I don't care for that. Oh, don't yeah, I'm not a that. fan of that either. Well, I mean, what, what, like, again, I'm just really, uh, well, I'm high on Tampa Bay, I guess, but um, I will say that 
I think Kyle Dubas had himself a Kyle Dubas offseason in the first time in a while. And it's uh, it's part of the reason, almost in a way, that I've grown impatient with the team now is because I'm so annoyed that I'm retroactively so annoyed about last offseason. And I already hated it at the time uh, to now see that he's kind of gone back to his guns. Like I'm that sort of pisses me off that last season even happened. But um, like I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, if I'm being completely honest, Alex and I were talking about it before the show started. Like I'm, I'm, I'm quite uh, bitter about the way that the season ended last year. I know I was like having fun with it at the time, but I'm, I'm really quite annoyed with this core. I, I don't have any faith in them right now. Uh, not saying that, you know, trade everybody, but I'm just like, I don't have any real good things to say about I think they're going to set the world on fire this year. They're definitely good hockey players. We'll see what happens. But um, huge fan of Andre Kasha, big time. I've said that yeah. many times. I would like to see Timothy Lilligren get some major minutes this year. Please. I'm very curious to see what the plan is with Rasmus Sandin because I don't think his development is going to be helped playing 12 minutes a night. So we need to kind of do something there too. But you already have four top four defensemen conceivably. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting thing, things with the Leafs. I'm sure they'll sort themselves out because I think Sheldon Keefe's a decent coach. Uh, but Tampa Bay, I think, is it's hard to say they're not the best team in the league. Even losing that line, losing Yanni Gord, uh, there's a lot to like with them. So, yeah, we'll see. But they're both going to be very, very good. Uh, Alex, before we move on, uh, did you do the soul-crushing thing uh, that other Leaf fans are doing where you sat down and purposefully watched All or Nothing? Yes, yeah. I did. And you know what? Oh boy. The funniest part is that I'm going to I'm going to see if I can dig up the tweet that I put out, actually, because <laughs> I think it was on the day in August when the trailer was released. I was like, you know what? You can fucking show me any clips. You can show me all the clips of Rasmus Sandin in a race car, or Justin Hall fucking golfing in his backyard. And it's going to take a king's <laughs> ransom to make me sit down and watch this fucking abomination. And in a race you know, car. I love that. Of course. Uh, day after it was released, I binged the whole thing. So just goes to show that this team is full control of me. I, <laughs> yes, I put my thought, I put myself through it again. And, you know, there are, it, it was tough to watch, but the one takeaway that I did have is you just, if anybody is in doubt that Sheldon Keefe um, was in doubt that he was a passionate coach, they should not be anymore. And if you are, then you're stupid or you just haven't watched the, the documentary. I think uh, Sheldon Keefe has the right winning mindset. And I think if the Leafs do win a cup, he will be the head coach. Um, I don't think he's perfect. I think he's got some building to building to do from last year. I think he got out coached at times against Montreal, but he hasn't had a full 82 game season with a full training camp and a full preseason uh, to really implement a system from the get-go. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that team responds this year. I think he's got a more, a team, uh, this year more built to his liking than the past two years. I'll give him that yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, we'll do some awards. Uh, Alex, I don't know if you were prepped on that, but... Oh, buddy, um, was I? Oh, wow. He did his homework. Uh, mm-hmm. Adams, Jack Adams Trophy. I got Dean Evison. Second, second year in a row. That's that's smart, actually. It's a good take. I've got Joel Quenville. Thanks. Hmm. Um... The, mist- the crucial mistake I made last year was uh, catering them to my predictions. Uh, so I did that again this year. Uh, again, uh, couldn't come up with a great roster reason why I thought they'd be good. So I have Mike Sullivan for the Jack Adams. 
and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, uh, Norris Trophy. I got uh, Kale McCarr, first of many. Uh, I also have Kale McCarr. Big Kale McCarr guy. Oh, damn, I should have mixed in a hot take, but yeah, it's Kale McCarr for me. <laughs> like, how do you bet against him? He's one of the, like, he... I know I said I think Dougie Hamilton's the best defenseman in the league, but there's a very – it's likely Kale McCarr at this point. So how do you bet against a kid? Like, at some point, he's just going to have that year. If he stays healthy this year, he's going to win it, I think. You know? Uh, I won't uh, bother Alex with uh, telling him who I had winning the Norris last year's Ah, Gorensky. Um <laughs> The Selkie Trophy, I'm going to keep – saying this guy's name till he wins it because he deserves about four at this point. Mark Stone from the Vegas Golden Knights. I like it. Beating that I picked, drum. I picked uh, Alexander Barkov. I thought about that. Uh, this might is a slighter hot take for me, uh, but again, I think if this team's going to be any good, it's uh, Joel Sullivan. Erickson Eck for me. Oh. Ooh, it's Mike I Sullivan. Like that. Yeah. I, I like that take. <laughs> I like, that, I like pick. that take a lot, yeah, actually. pick. I, I, I think Erickson X is going to have a better year offensively than anything he's yeah. done, and that'll help him win the award because I, you know, he's obviously one of the best defensive centers in the league. So, big fan. Yeah, I think the Eck gives him that little bit of an edge. That's what it it's is. Just, if yeah. he was just Joel Erickson, I don't know if I'd be as, as high on him. Well, with the little Eck on the end there. See, E K. Uh, both those letters are in the name of the freaking awards. So, you know, there, there, you, chance, go. Right? there you go. There you go. He's got an S and, loophole, and an L in his I name. Find All of those letters are in his name. So here we go. Uh, the Vesna. I got Philip Grubauer in Seattle. Here's Neat. mine. Might be a little Thank bit you. of a hot take. I've got Elvis Merzlikens winning the Vesna. I thought you were going to say Peter Morazic for a second. I was like, that, that's hot. That is spicy. All right, guys, that's in a pick. Wow. James Reimer. <laughs> I wish. I'd no, pay money to see you know, that happen. I, I think that as bad as the Jackets, I think we're, we all think they're going to be this year. I think Merzlikens is playing for – he's playing for something more than the other goalies challenging for it. Are. I mean, obviously, the loss of uh, uh, Matis Kavlenix, uh over the offseason, the tragic yeah. loss, I, you know – Elvis Merzlikens more or less lost a family member in that instance. You know, it wasn't just a teammate of his. They came from the same country. They're playing for the same team. They live together. And he says that he wants to win the Vezina this year for him. So I'm going to take his word for it. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a beautiful storyline to follow this year. And I think he's going to do it. So he's my pick. He is really good. So um, that also helps too, right? Like, I agree with you though. Like, he, he's always seemed like one of those guys that's uh, that's super motivated by outside factors and um, yeah he's he's a great goaltender it's not actually not a bad pick uh, I, I, I I not exciting I went Connor Hellebuck here I just uh, I think the defense improved I think the Jets are gonna have the puck a little bit more than they did last year they're gonna be a better team it's gonna be a little bit easier for him so nice um, the uh... Calder Trophy. This is my uh, this is my hot take for sure. Uh, I've got Alex Nedjelkovic of the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> I don't know why, yeah. but for whatever reason, I thought you were going to say Alex Galchenyuk. That would be <laughs> impressive. Doesn't make sense, but for yeah. whatever reason, when you were like, "This is going to be a hot take," Alex, and I was like, "No chance." <laughs> for a split just trying second, to, I was just <laughs> trying to one up each other's fucking hot yeah. takes. Well, I'm taking Alex Steen. How about that? <laughs> Mm. Oh, that is spicy. I'm taking Alex Goligoski. Yeah. 
<laughs> going to be a guy named Alex one way or another. Um, no, but my actual pick for the Calder here, I'm going with a fellow Detroit Red Wing, Moritz Cedar. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was very close to doing that too. I'm not going to lie. Moritz Cedar is my favorite prospect that doesn't wear blue and white. And by that, I mean a favorite prospect that isn't on the Leafs. I, I, I remember when in his draft year, when the Leafs originally, I think they had one of their picks at like 20th over 25th overall. I want to say it was. And at the time, Moritz Seder was projected to go somewhere between 15 and 20. And I was like, mm-hmm. it was a pipe dream for me. I was like praying that somehow Moritz Seder would fall to the Leafs. And then when Detroit took him sixth overall, a little bit off the board, but I remember at the time I was thinking that's a steal. And so far it's looking like it. I mean, he's, he tore it up in the German league. He tore it up in Sweden. He tore it up in the AHL. I think it's, he's, he's everything you want in a defenseman. He's got good sense at both ends of the ice. Uh, he's obviously, I don't want to sound like fucking Brian Burke here, but he's six, four, he's right-handed. Like he's just, he's got a lot to like about him. And I, I, I think, I think the Calder is uh, definitely in his sights this year. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do a Brian Burke impression, you can say truculence and belligerence oh, yeah. as much as you want. I can get into that. You're talking to a Brian Burke <laughs> guy right here. So um, I have uh, much to both of your dismay. I'm the going, 12th goal uh, man himself. I'm going with the small goals boy, uh, mm-hmm. Cole Caulfield. Yeah, I, that's not a bad pick. He would be my second pick. I, th- I think he's uh, really fucking good. And uh, I don't really hate the makeup of Montreal. I think the problem for them is just that they don't have anyone definitively amazing at any position. Um, But I think Cole Caulfield is probably the most talented player on that team. It's probably going to show it this year. I'm I'm going with him. I think Maurice Sider will probably outscore him for sure. But yeah, we'll find out. Well, he's a small goals boy. He could get hurt, James. So that might happen. But if he plays all year, he's getting many points. Uh, Alex, just to follow up, uh, do you know who the Leafs' uh, first pick in that Maurice Sider draft year was? Yeah, it was Nick Robertson. It was. Isn't that crazy? That is. That is. Uh, Rocket Richard, Austin Matthews, sixty goals, yay or nay? Uh, I will say it's it's actually it's within the realm of possibility. I don't know if I'd say yay right now, but I I I certainly he's going to do it once. I I have him winning the I have him winning the Rocket either way if that helps. So it's hard to take anyone else. Like, like I was looking yeah. to be like, you know, am I being biased? I don't, I just don't know who's going to score them if they conceivably all play a healthy 82 game season. Right. If you're like going to, if you're going to call a Leafs fan bias for thinking Matthews is going to win the rocket, then you might as well call an Oilers fan bias for thinking Connor McDavid's going to win the art Ross. Yeah. And, and that's just it, right? Like it's, it's just, they, they're the, as of now, they're the best at their position of what they do. Yeah. I'd like, I pastor Nack's a very good goal scorer. I just don't think he, I don't think he has the surroundings at this point. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Connor McDavid, 150 points or nay uh, for the art Ross. I'll go 135. I don't think 150 quite, but 135. Uh, oh, nay big, big time, but, uh, but he'll win the art Ross. Yeah. Uh, Hart Trophy, gentlemen, uh, the creme de la creme, or however they say that. Um, I've got uh, I've got Brutes' pick from last year. I'm going Artemi Panarin. Big right. bounce back here. <laughs> I have Nathan McKinnon winning the Hart this year. 
Sure. That'd be cool. Would be. I wish I had something spicy for this one, but I went Connor McDavid. Uh, not a bad take. I mean, it's a boring one, but it's not a bad one. Again, I think it's a bad team, but he's very good. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are uh, we're a little longer on time than uh, than I thought we would be, so we'll, we'll forego the game. But we do have a little activity that we do like to wrap up our episodes with, and that is an overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Alex, are you familiar with the uh, concept? Yes, I Good. have. Uh, it's Bruce, kind of right there in the name. Bruce, Bruce filled. Yeah, Bruce filled me in earlier, so I think I know what I'm doing here. Fantastic. And uh, in honor of having you on with us uh, for the second time. To kick things off this season, we're going to do Billy Talent songs because we're all big Billy Talent guys. You much more than than either of us by the looks of it. <clears throat> but uh, great band. They are uh, probably top on my bucket list at this point since Charlie Watts died. And I really don't want to see the Stones try to piece together a tour. Um, so um, let's dive into it. Over Overrated Billy Talent song. Alex, I will give you the honors. So let me preface this by saying that billy talent's my all-time favorite band and they're and i didn't I'm know that was your gonna, favorite i just i thought are, you really liked them damn no, no they're my, they're oh. my favorite band dude seriously fuck we should get the top 10 then it would have been better. that was anyway. a good call of yours but no 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 it's okay um so i will preface this by saying that you know if i if i call this song overrated that doesn't mean it's a bad song i'm gonna say most overrated is red flag me too and, Oh, there you go. And, yeah. and you know what? It's just because it's it's arguably their most popular song and it doesn't crack my top 10. I think See, it's a great and, song. And but... I didn't know that that it was their like that. It's their most popular song. But like I creep set you know, lists a lot. Right. And they always close with it. And I'm like, do people do that many people really fucking like that song? I yeah. guess they do. But like, I think the fact that it was in NHL 06 did did massive favors a lot. for it. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I yeah. thought about it. I, I almost went red flag for overrated. Uh, I, I went show it. me the that's way. Funny. Show me the way, eh? It's that's not, it's, that's it's a little overrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Considering okay. how high it charted. I yeah. I, well, see, I didn't charts, know how I, our, gonna... I didn't know how high it charted. I was about to say, is it overrated? Is it even like rated that high? Like yeah. I didn't know that it, I didn't know that it charted. It's, so it's one of their few take. top ten charting songs. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right. I didn't realize uh, it was a single. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't I don't get that one. That it's that would have been a great song if they just left it in the album to stew yeah. and we could find it for ourselves but yeah that uh, first I'm... album or well the first two albums are great for that right where it's just like they could have picked any songs as singles here and i think they picked the right ones but that that fourth album i don't know if they picked the right songs necessarily i don't know it's interesting uh, underrated alex <sighs> there are so many billy talent songs that i could i could say are underrated um if I had to pick one off the top of my head, I would probably go with running across the tracks. Nice. And you know, it's a, I, I, I you know, I'm sure there are the diehard Billy talent fans out there. I know like that song, but I, that's one of their top five songs for me. I, I love that song. I love Ian DeSau's guitar work throughout the entire thing. I think yeah. the, the format of the solo towards the end, like towards the end of the song is amazing. So I'll call it underrated just for that. Yeah. For that point. I mean, I'll see a point you made uh, there as underrated. I think probably the most underrated thing that like non-hardcore Billy Talent fans uh, overlook with with the band is like 
Ian DeSaw's guitar work for me is my favorite thing about the band. You know what I mean? And like uh, when I was picking my favorite song, like I was thinking about it and it's like, it's only because of him. Like, and I didn't end up picking it, but it was like, I'm thinking about a song and I'm like, I don't even know if I like the song as much as I just like the way he plays the guitar in it because I think it's yeah. iconic. Uh, but anyway, so for, for my underrated, uh, I, I went surprise, surprise. I think, uh, oh, that's a great tune. I don't think that gets enough respect. Uh, that song just slams. And I think it's perfect because you can play it on the radio. You can play it with people. It's not super, you know, super crazy yelly or anything like that but uh man it it, it bangs I, I i think it rocks so yeah uh, i'm gonna go with the uh second song i ever learned fully on guitar uh, solo included uh and that would be uh the dead can't testify oh three. man another oh, didn't see, see i could probably i could Love probably make song. a list of my yeah. top my top 10 most underrated billy talent songs they have so yeah. many that almost was my favorite it was really it really came down to Really I, I felt good. like my it's the one really I picked song. for favorite I couldn't put as underrated. It, it's not underrated, so I had to swap them out. But sure, yeah. Um, I will actually butt in real quick before we jump over to either favorite or least favorite and say that another super underrated Billy Talent song is their cover of "Passage to Bangkok." <laughs> and you know what? If you're a diehard okay. Rush, if you're a diehard yeah. Rush yeah. fan before you're a diehard Billy Talent fan, then you, you'll probably disagree with me. But I think they did a great job of kind of putting their own modern spin on it, but also paying homage to the roots of the song. I, I and you know, you were saying before, Bruce, in the saw's guitar work, how you sometimes you don't even know if you like the song or if you just really like what he's doing on guitar. That's a picture perfect example of that. Yeah. Because I know what Passage to Bangkok is. It's a great song, mm -hmm. but Ian's spin on it, Ian's take on it is pretty sick. So he's incredible, man. Like he, he, is. he, he, he is. is he's an underrated guitar player for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, your favorite uh, take your time <laughs> oh I don't have to take my time for this one buddy um, favorite Billy Talent song of all time is the first Billy Talent song that I ever listened to and the first one that I learned on guitar try honesty can't go wrong man yeah I, I, I remember yeah. I remember the scene I was I was my, my family was on vacation in Florida when I was like six years old and my parents had their laptop there. And this is my first time ever even like seeing a laptop and like, fuck, I used to like go on and fuck around on windows media player and stuff. This is back when they, they showed me the ropes of line wire back in the day. So, um, I was, I uh, was yes, dicking around. honesty by Nickelback. It probably came up. <laughs> yeah. as, eh? But I remember I opened up the, the one day I was just fucking around on their, on windows media player and look going through the music that they had my parents aren't even billy talent songs but they had three songs by billy talent they had try honesty the x and river below and i played try honesty and i fell in love with the band immediately yeah i love that little that little guitar like that it's one of my favorite licks of ian's so that's without a doubt my favorite yeah and i guess just to be a little bit different that is my favorite too um, but I did kind of hop between two songs, so I'll discuss the other one. But like, you're you're right. Like, um, man, like that that that's the reason I like the song though is just like the guitar work and that. It, it's not that the rest of the song isn't incredible either, but it's just it's one of those songs where it's just been timeless. I've never been sick of it. I've never gone through a period where I'm like I'm not like I listen to that song routinely forever, always have, always will. Uh, so I guess my runner up was Worker Bees. Oh, great. 
Um, Johnny's Johnny's bass work in that song yeah, is amazing. It's just uh, like I've I've always hoped, and I don't know if they do. Like I've never seen it. I again, I look at set lists all the time. I think a smart way to open a show would just be to fucking play that bass line for like two, three minutes and just let everybody just, you know what I mean? Just simmer in it and have everyone walk out slowly. Like, I, I think it's perfect. Uh, they did but the, song, the song bangs. They did they did something similar like that with uh, uh, This Is How It Goes, I think. They had Ian do that little over and over, that's, like that's way more times too, than it happens in the song. That's, so. a, good, that's a good way. Mm-hmm. Fuck, they rock, man. <laughs> they, they do rock. <laughs> I'm going are to we, see are, them and rise. Are, are I'm going, going to see them and rise see, against them. Uh, oh, goddamn! Yeah. Now we have to go. Yeah, nice. do a, a live Man. a live show from the Budweiser Gardens or whatever they're Give calling. Give me a that. shout. I, I yeah. well, because I told you, Alex, that I'm thinking about on James knows that I'm thinking about doing uh, Winnipeg, but I am like mildly considering doing both, be just because I want to see them that bad. I was mm-hmm. supposed to see them last year, and it's like. It's like pent up frustration now. It's like I need yeah. to see them. You know they so. will. They won't come here. They won't come to Thunder Bay anymore. They don't like us. Someone they played at, here too many times as Pez, and no one came. I think. Is so, happened, someone so. yelled at Ben, and then Ben got mad, and he's like, "We're never coming back again." So they don't come here. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, it was after their show at Crocs. They got off stage, and some guy just gave him the business, and fuck you guys. Got in their van, drove away, never came back. That's fair. It's a shithole here. That's fine. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> Uh, my favorite is uh, River Below. Ooh. Oh, man. Great yeah. Really? I yeah. just didn't know that. I, it's not a bad pick. It's a good pick. But... I would yeah. I would go as far as to say that River Below, it's not my favorite song by them, but it's probably my favorite music video by them. I love the music. Video I was, right. That's where I was going with this. I'll let you I do the remember. talking then. <laughs> no, literally just one of the first music videos I can remember. The, the kid that sit behind me in grade seven had the CD. And we would play it at recess or lunch. And I went home one night and that song was on there. I'm like, ah, that's the song from the CD. And I watched the video, the video fucking rock. And that was the first CD that I spent my own money on to go buy was Billy Talent One. So nice. I love it. River Below. All right. Now, if you want to pass, you want to punt on this one, Alex, I'll, I'll understand. Uh, favorite yeah. bands. It's always tough to come up with a least favorite. But... You know, punting, punting wouldn't be fair. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cheat the rules of the game here. I actually did go out of my way to pick a least favorite song, even though I still like the song. Uh, it's actually I, they. I, they covered them bones at a concert one time in 2007. It wasn't very well organized. I never did it again. Yeah. I imagine. Oh, man, yeah, that, yeah, that's this one song that they record as a basement demo is Pez back in Ellis Height fan. No, but um, truthfully, to decide on my least favorite Billy Talent song, I. I just basically tried to, I went through their catalog and I found the song that I've probably listened to the least Yeah, and it would be sudden movements. I don't mind it. I, I just, I, I, it's, it's a good song. Like I said, there is not a single Billy talent song I dislike, but sudden movements was probably just the least exciting out of all of them. So I don't know. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. If I had to pick one, um, of their albums, the one I enjoyed the least was Afraid of Heights, and the, my least favorite song on the album is Louder Than the DJ. I just don't... <laughs> so it's kind of vanilla, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's just... It was uh, it was the one time they released a song as a single where I'm just like this, I don't, I don't get it. I don't really get what they were thinking there, but uh, everything else is great. <laughs> so, uh, I, I too will gang up on that album. Um, oh boy. Yeah, the longest song they have. I, I don't I don't enjoy uh, Ghost Ship of Cannibal Rats mm. uh, by any means. It sounds honestly like it sounds like a riff that they wrote at the, like the Billy Talent 2 era 
and it was like, oh, this this riff fucking rocks. And it does. Like, it's a good riff. And they just, like, didn't do anything with it. And then they're like, hey, how about this riff? And it just doesn't fit with the album. It just doesn't fit with where they are at their careers. And then the lyrics are just very, like, they try too hard, in my opinion, on that song. So, Fair. But again, mm. uh, I, I love this fucking band. Uh, everything is better than most bands. So, mm. well, you What's know what? The... I... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's it, you go. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, do, what did you guys think of Forgiveness? If you have, if, if you've listened to that song, yeah. Because I never, ever in my life thought that I'd be able to hear a Billy Talent song where they included a saxophone solo and pulled it off, but they proved me wrong. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. Like it, among among yeah it's one of my i don't know I, I enjoy it more than most songs on the album i would say i have not listened to it i am waiting for the you whole should, album you should have, oh that's fair that's fair you should listen to it though i'll give you that it's a it's a real good song yeah um yeah uh i i thought i had something to say there but i don't it's probably just gonna ramble on about billy talent some more <laughs> Well, the next time we do a Billy Talent bonus episode, we'll be sure to bring you back for that oh, one. Oh, buddy. And, uh, the, I'll be offended if you invite anybody else. That's even if fair. it's Ben Kowalowitz himself. Wow. That'd be, a good <laughs> be crazy. You guys think we can get him or what? I think so. I think so. All right. I like it. I like the optimism. Seems approachable. Uh, Alex, uh, again, we, we thank you for coming on for the second time here. Um, anything uh, that you want to let the, the fine listeners know uh, if they want to find more of you, what, what, what can they do to get more Alex in their life? Oh, well, first of all, if you're going to get more Alex in your wife, strongly consider thinking twice before you, before you do that. Um, what they <laughs> no, call for, pulling a Hobson. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, if speaking strictly in terms of hockey and like music takes and stuff like that, you can obviously find me on Twitter at Hobson a 16. That's where I do most of my shit posting. Uh, obviously I, I, I write for the hockey writers. So if you're looking to read my takes and written form, you can find my work there. And I'm, I, I'm the co-host of the sticks in the six podcast with uh, Andrew Forbes and Peter Barracchini on uh, presented by the hockey writers. Uh, we, we had Mark masters a couple weeks ago. So that was a pretty sweet interview. Um, so yeah, that's, that, 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 that's all about, I have to plug. Beauty. Well, like I said, uh, thanks again for taking some time out and doing this with us. And, uh, we look forward to the next time we can get together. Absolutely boys. Just give me the word and I'll be here. Mm-hmm.